Yes, church is better than sitting in your house for three months. Okay, let's get started. Uh, let's just begin with jumping into Genesis chapter 24. Like, just turn there in your Bible. Um, so as you're turning there, I'm trying to think of if there's any announcements. Any announcements? I don't think so. Lifted has his first practice, not this Tuesday, but next Tuesday. So if you want to be in the praise band, or if you are in the praise band, that's not this week, but next week. Anything else? Camp. Yes. Thank you, Jermon. Okay, so hey, your parents probably took care of this if your parents are bringing you to all church retreat. But if they're not, or if you're going to be doing things separate from them, like meals, like breakfast, because you're going to a totally different place, potentially at a different time, you need to sign up for your meals. So like there's an A and a B slot. You have to make sure you sign up um, to, to ensure that you have a spot to eat, right? So you can find that uh, link on the Midtown Facebook page. I don't know if I've ever been there, so you guys probably know where it is, right? Do you guys do Facebook? No. You do it to find babysitting jobs? Just random people? Is your mom friends with people that she doesn't know? Okay. So she doesn't have like a large following. She's just mom. I mean, your parents are like probably the coolest people at Midtown. Dad drives a motorcycle, that kind of thing. Anyways. Right? Right? Come on, guys. Come on. I... He doesn't seem like the guy that would ride a motorcycle, throw his wife on the back, and just do a wheelie down the street. It's strange. Jawan knows. Yeah. But that's like his, that's his style, it seems. But not so. Okay. Let's do it. All right, let's pray, and then we're going to get started here. If you would pray with me, and we'll, we'll launch the ship. Ready? Hey, we're going to pray. Ready? Okay, Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the students here. Um, there's just a, a kindness that, that this group has. There's, um, a, there's a friendliness that this group has, and I'm excited to be with them. I'm excited to be here. Um, but, God, we're excited to have your word open. And, Lord, we, we don't want to let um, ourselves distract ourselves from your word. God, we want to meet with you. We don't want to just have a service. We don't want to just sit through teaching. God, we want to meet with you. We want to hear from you in your word. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to do that. Give us grace for each other to do that. Help us to, uh, man, to to engage with your word, each of us, individually, but, but us, as, us as a group, help us to engage your word and, and just believe you and, and trust you 
with your principles and with your leading. So Holy Spirit, lead us in this time, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so <clears throat> I've for the last few times, I've kind of talked about why it's important, why we're doing a romantic, a romantic relationship series. And I think, Charlie, you listening? Stop looking at him. Look at me. I think it would probably be easy, stop talking, it'd be easy to assume that a romantic relationship series is unnecessary for some of you, because I think probably you're either already decided I'm going to have girlfriends or boyfriends, okay, or you've decided that's not for like, that's not for another few years. Either way, we've talked a lot about marriage, and that's kind of the goal, and so I know for a fact that all of you Probably have marriage put off for another season of life, right? Anybody planning on getting married in high school? Taylor? <laughs> so, so this is perfect, right? You need to be taking notes. But here's the deal. Here's why, here's why it is so important. Because your steps preceding that marriage um, and that relationship that happens just before you get married, the steps that you take in approaching that decision are critical. They're critical. And you forming in your mind a path and a plan for how you get to that point where you engage and be engaged in this relationship, the steps and the path that you take are very, very, very important. Here's how important they are. I would say that the difference between having a biblical plan for how you're going to approach romantic relationships, the difference between having a plan and not having a plan, and just going with the flow, is literally life or death. It's literally life or death. You're thinking that's stupid. No, it's not. Actually, it is. It is life or death. So, um, let me hit you with a couple verses that may communicate it. And if they don't, I have an example that I, I'm sure will. So Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, God tells, um, tells us that his people, he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You've probably heard that saying. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Well, because God's people didn't know his word, they were destroyed. Okay, but how about Proverbs 29, verse 18, that says, where there is no vision, what happens to the people? What happens to the people where there's no vision? The people perish, right? The Bible clearly lays it out that if you don't have a plan, if there's not a vision, you will perish. Okay, but how about this one, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 24 to 33. I want, I want you to turn there, if you can get there before I do, because I'm just going to start reading it once I get there. I'll race you. Proverbs chapter 1. Who beat me? Does anybody beat me? Oh, you got it. Okay. Proverbs 1, 24 to 33. I'll read it here. It says, this is wisdom speaking. Because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded it. But you have set at naught all my counsel. You've dismissed it. And would none of my reproof. You didn't, you didn't heed or consider my reproof. Here's what wisdom says to, to us who disregard plans and principles for romantic relationships. 
Wisdom says, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me. So when things get really hard because you didn't have a plan for romantic relationships, you get locked in to a relationship with somebody who wasn't according to your biblical plan that you're trusting God for, you weren't part of it, well, there's some distress, there's some hardship. Relationships are hard even if you're with the right person. Okay, so when it gets hard, because you disregarded the principles from God's word, you disregarded wisdom, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. Whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. You see that? If you don't have a plan, if you're not willing to follow the principles about romantic relationships and trust God with a plan, there is destruction in your future. And I don't want that for any of you. I want you guys to all find the spouse that God would put in your life and have a, an awesome, blessed marriage. I think that that's the plan, man. That's what I'm trusting God for for you. But you have to trust God for that plan. Now, here's an example um, just to, to maybe reiterate that this is life or death. One of my dear friend's mother passed away this weekend. Really, really close friend of mine. Someone that I care very deeply about. His mom died. And about a year and a half ago, she married a man that she thought she loved and that she, she thought loved her. That she thought wanted to take care of her. She had been in church. She was serving. She was doing really well here at church. She was serving the Lord, raising her kids in the word and in the ministry. But this man that she married, that she thought loved her and that she thought she loved, ended up leading her into a life of sin. Pretty subtly. It wasn't like a, hey, you want to go murder some people with me? It was very subtle. And she thought that it was right. She became ensnared in this sin and over the last year and a half continually declined and lost more and more of her family and her sanity. And this weekend, she died. Ultimately, the romantic relationship that she chose led her to not only a miserable year and a half of marriage. It was probably great for the first few months. But that thing quickly turned into a miserable, miserable relationship. And it ended in the end of her life. This not only affected her in the greatest possible way that something could affect something, right? Not only did it take her life, but this has affected her three children that she left behind. Like, just forget about the fact that she died as a result of her association with this man that she married, and he took her from the church into a different lifestyle. And she's gone. Or three children. 
Like one's eight years old and he didn't know how to read because his mom hasn't been around for a year and a half. And now he's a little boy without a mom and without a dad. Sweet. That sounds really great. That sounds like something everybody would want to sign up for. The reality is she didn't trust God for a plan. According to his word, his principles on what her spouse should look like, she just said, this guy's great. He's giving me attention. I think he loves me and wants to take care of me. It took her down a really horrible path. Your romantic relationships have a great, great pull on your life. They will take you down this path of blessing, or they'll take you down a path that may be a really long path. You may get a couple years of like, hey, this is pretty awesome. This person is great. But inevitably, this path leads to life and blessing, and this path leads to destruction. It does. So you've got to have a plan to follow this path. Now, conversely, so this friend of mine, his mom, she passed away. It was a horrible, horrible, horrible situation. But on the other, other side of that, a relationship can actually be a great thing for your walk with the Lord. It can actually be an empowering thing. And so Pastor Will is going to give us a point. He, he kind of ends this short video with a point about what relationships, biblically, uh, biblical romantic relationships should look like. But he's going to give a little bit of testimony of his relationship with his wife, Nalene, and, and what it has meant for his walk with the Lord and the happiness that he has in his life. So go ahead and check this video out. We may need to make sure we have volume. Good morning, CDT students. This is Pastor Will Wanna, And I just want to share with you a quick testimony of uh, what God did in my life. But uh, a, a, this is a testimony of marriage. But basically, when I got married uh, with my wife, I did not speak English. She never spoke Spanish. So because of that, we have a language barrier, right? Um, I struggled with my communication with her. I was in love of her. I, but I got to know her at church. I got to know her serving the Lord with all her heart. She was in love of God. My wife, you know, you know her name, Marashia. She was already passionate about the Word of God. She was already passionate about reading the Bible, studying the Bible. And, yeah, I remember I had language problems. You know, I have a lot of language problems, like not a way for me to communicate my heart, not a way to uh, be honest on, on my communication or saying the right things. But our communication was clear in one sense, and it was the Word of God. Uh, and because of that reason, even with all the struggles that we have by not being able to communicate, we were able to communicate uh, in one mind based on what the Bible says. And then I knew for a fact that even with my struggles in communication, I knew that she was in communication with the Lord. So. Our marriage, because of that, is accountable to God and to each other. I knew for a fact that she was going to be a, a, a person that loved God more than me. And proof of that, now we have 40 years married. 
against probably um, you know all the the predictions and, and you know and, and you know the people fearing. I knew for a fact that our marriage was going to be successful because our marriage was uh, has had a foundation in the Word of God. The Bible says in Second Timothy. 215, probably one of the more beautiful verses for me, but the Bible says, 2 Timothy 215, study to show yourself proof into God, a workman that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that particular verse was a reality in my life when I got to know her. So up until this day, I'm so glad that I found her, but one thing, I'm accountable to her. I don't have to hide anything. I'm accountable to her in everything that I do because I know she is accountable to God. And that is the key in relationships. Love you all. So his point is, I think there's a couple of cool things. So he, he didn't speak English and his wife didn't speak Spanish. And somehow they fell in love and got married. That's pretty phenomenal, right? Okay, but he knew that he could trust that that relationship would be a biblical relationship because he saw that she loved the Lord more than anything. So they, they learned the languages, they get married, and now he just said at the end he's accountable to her because he knows that she's accountable to God. So his life is wide open to her. There's nothing hidden. Right? And if, if you know anything about Pastor Will's testimony, his past. I mean, the Lord has delivered him from some stuff. And he's, he's wide open and honest. And he knows that his wife will, will be his companion through a very, very fruitful life. So Pastor Will, uh, just in the last couple of weeks, has led like four or five people to the Lord at a Bible study. He's got families moving from Illinois to come to Midtown because they heard the teaching. Like, this dude is fruitful. He and his wife are seeing lives transform. That's the type of relationship that's fulfilling and exciting and is, is down a path of God's principles. Not He's not doing things his way. Does that make sense? Do you see the contrast? Okay. It's important that we get what God has for us just today. I've only got two points, two key points, two key characteristics of your future spouse, and then we'll be done. So before we get into the two principles, I want somebody to summarize. What are the events that we've seen in Genesis 24 so far? What are the events? What has happened? Abraham has sent a servant, and then what? He put his hand on on somebody's thigh. That was something. That's all Nate remembers from the series. Okay, so he's praying to God. Hey, God, show me the girl that's going to marry Isaac. Before he's done praying, she rolls up. Okay. And she fulfills the things he was praying for, which are what? Water to the camels. So he says, hey, can I have some water? And she's like, yeah, and let me give you water for your ten camels, right? And so he's like, whoa, she just fulfilled the prayer that I was literally just praying. 
Okay? So we're going to pick up from there. So Genesis chapter 24, verse 21 to the first part of 22, the servant has spotted the potential spouse of Isaac. And it says this, And the man, wondering at her, held his peace to wit, to decide, to see whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. And it came to pass, as the camels had done drinking. Okay, so what, what are we looking at here? What is, what, is we, what is it that we're seeing? What's he doing? Camels are drinking water. The servant is what? Seth, what's he doing? No, he's not just sitting there. He's not just chilling. What's it say? What's he doing? He's wondering. He's what? What is he? What is he wondering about? Right. He's wondering. He's viewing. He's proving. He's trying to see if the Lord has made his journey prosperous or not. He prayed. It seems like God answered his prayer, but now he's waiting, he's watching, he's just observing, right? What we see happening is that the servant is slowing the process down. He believes he's found the future spouse, but he wants to be sure that this is of the Lord. So what is the principle we're looking at here? It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21, that says, Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Do what to all things? Prove all things. So hit the next slide. I think I misled you there. You prove all things. What does that mean? What does it mean to prove something? To, to see, to show if it's true. I tell you what. Um, how many of you have taken geometry class? Do you know the proofs section of geometry? That's why I failed geometry. It was the proofs, man. Proofs are awful. Okay, but <clears throat> proofs are necessary. Maybe not in geometry. I don't think anything in math is, is necessary. But But proving something... Hey, proving something is biblical. It's sound. It's wise. What does that mean? That means to look at something and to determine whether it is solid, whether it is sound, whether it's right, whether it is good. And then it says in the second half of the verse, hold fast that which is good. So let me tell you this. There's no real advantage. There is no real, real advantage of rushing into a romantic relationship. Now, you might be thinking, I remember... I remember the first time that a girl said I was hot. I remember it vividly. Because up to that point in my life, as a, I think I was in middle school, I think I was probably 6th or 7th grade, up to that point, the girl said I was cute. You know why? Because I was cute, because I was a small child, right? But, but the moment that some girl on the bus, she was like a few rows behind, she thought I was hot, I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, I just leveled up. <laughs> Okay, 
So my friend, she didn't say that. Her friend and told my friend, and you know how it goes with small children like you guys are. I was told that I was hot, so I thought I I got to make a move right now. I got to move on this now. And I tell you what, I didn't because I was really scared. I didn't know what to do. But the thought did come into my mind, I better move quickly because this person thinks I'm hot. And that's the same thought that most young people have. There's an interest, well, I better move in on this. I'm not saying commit your life to them. I'm saying you got to make a move because there's interest. That's what the world tells you. That's what you guys probably believe. Oh, there's someone, they look, they look attractive. Well, guess we better go. Guess we better do this. Guess we, better, guess we better switch up digits and like start talking. But figure out if this is right. Dude, there is no real advantage of rushing into a romantic relationship. The Bible leads us to prove all things, including people. So if you get to the point where you're interested in someone, you need to take a season and a time to watch and see if that person is actually dating material. So this is probably years down the road for you. I hope it is. I mean, maybe if you're 17 or 18, it's not a long time. But I hope that you're thinking in the future, and then when that moment comes, you're going to say, okay, I need to take some time and watch this person to see what they really are. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 5 says that there's a time to embrace, but guess what? There's a time to refrain from embracing. There is a time for you to not just jump on a romantic relationship or a person. And in verse 11, it says, it describes God that he hath made everything beautiful in his time. So we've got our time. We've got God's time. Our timing is I want things now. I need this relationship as soon as possible. This person is so hot. I need them to be in my life. And God's timing is a lot of times much different from that. So God is patient. And he desires that we prove things and wait on him and on his timing. If we don't prove all things, here's the reality. If we don't prove it, say Charlie, Charlie sees this girl and he's like, dude, I, I need her. I need her. If, if Charlie doesn't wait on the Lord's timing, if he doesn't prove this thing out, if he doesn't say, you know what, I need her but, not I need her but, <laughs> I need her yet, let me just change my, uh, my conjunction there, I need her, comma, but, I'm going to wait on God and I'm going to prove this thing out. I'm going to prove out whether this girl is actually the person that I need. If she's actually the person I'm going to be with. If he doesn't do that, guess what Charlie is potentially risking losing? Consider the logic here. If you jump into the next best thing that you see and you don't wait on the Lord in his time and you are forfeiting the blessing that he has for you if you'll just be patient. In other words, Mickey is just so dreamy. Oh, I need to be with Mickey. But maybe Mickey isn't the one that God has for you. 
And so you're like, oh, Mickey, I need you. And Mickey's like, uh, okay, right? But, but maybe God has Mickey for you in three years when Mickey, like, I don't know, becomes a millionaire. And because you entered his life too early, because you worked it on his timing, guess what? You lost out on the millions because he doesn't become a millionaire because you're in a relationship with him. He's distracted now. Oh, man, do you see what I'm saying? If you jump on the next romantic relationship that you find, you are potentially forfeiting the blessing that God has for you later. You've got to wait. You've got to prove it out. And the difference is life or death. I'm telling you, man, if my friend's mom would have just said, I'm going to prove this thing out, this guy out, I guarantee guarantee you she would not have entered that relationship. I guarantee it. And you know what? She'd be here today. And you know what? Her children would be here today. They're not. They don't really want to have anything to do with the church. Because mom left. So why would they be around? They were children when she was here. Dude, you got to wait. You got to prove it out. Key point number one is this. Wait on God for his leading. Don't rush. There's no hurry. And you've probably heard that sentiment every Every Sunday, every sermon that we've done the romantic relationship, you've probably heard, I gotta wait. And let me just tell you, you do, you gotta wait. And that's what's best. And waiting is hard. But also consider the other side of that. You're waiting for God's blessing. God's blessing is worth waiting for. And not only that, if you're willing to wait, you're gonna be a lot better of a, a person if, you, if you're patient, if you're strong enough and manly enough to wait or womanly enough to wait, well, that's the type of person that people want to be with. Just saying. You don't want some impatient child who has to rush into it. Consider this. Your key characteristic for your future spouse is your future spouse will be proving you out. You want someone who's going to be proving you out. So not only are you proving them, but check this. They're looking at you and they're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait and see. Gavin's got it going on. He's got the Skittles hat on. Oh, he might be sweet. But I'm going to wait this thing out and see what kind of man he actually is. Oh, wow. Hold on. Okay, so that's the person that you're potentially going to marry? Well, check this out. That's a person who's not going to jump into the next best thing, which might be another person, might be another romantic relationship, because they've counted the cost, they've proved it out, and they've made up their mind that that's what they want. You see what I'm saying? I know that because Kylie waited and proved me out, she was watching to see if I was a real deal or not. Somehow she came to the conclusion that I was. And now I know I couldn't get rid of her if I wanted to. And I'm so thankful for that. Because I definitely don't want to. I never do want to. Because I know she made up her mind and she's stuck with me. You want that stuckness. And if they're not willing to wait, they're not going to have that stuckness. See what I'm saying? You see that? 
If they're too impatient and they have to jump into a romantic relationship or you do, you're fickle. So your future spouse will be proving you out. They'll be waiting. They'll be trusting the Lord. Okay, let's move to our next point, next and last point. Genesis 24, verses 22 to 28. I'm going to summarize them and we'll key in on verse 27. 22 to 28, Abraham's like, hey, Rebecca, who's your daddy? And she's like, well, my daddy's this guy. And he's like, oh, cool. That's the right family, the family of God. And then he says, hey, also, can I, like, bring my whole caravan and stay at your father's house? Can we, like, can we like, have a sleepover with your family? And she's like, yeah, we've got enough room and enough food for you and all your camels. So come on over. And then he begins to lay out this testimony of, of, of how this thing is transpired. In verse 27, and he said, this is what it says, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and truth. There's a lot there. That's pretty sweet, but that's not what we're going to key in on. He says, I, being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. I, being in the way, I was in the way, and God led me to this place. God led me to you, Rebecca, because I was in the way. Now, while there are riches to be had in the passage, we have to choose one to explore, and that will be the way. So, so. What's the first and obvious reference you guys think of when you hear the way? I hear the verse. What's the reference? John 14, verse 6. Yes. Okay, let me give you a, a, um, a, what's it called when it's a bad example? Oh, yeah, bad example. Okay. So there's only one success to be able to spend your life in your own way. So that's obviously not true. That's the opposite of true. This is what the dating advice is that comes from the world. Man, you do you. You do what makes you happy. You do it your way, right? And find someone who's going to fit that. And I would say that that's um, completely wrong. You want to be in the way, which is Jesus. John 14, verse 6, Jesus tells his disciples when they asked how they would get to heaven, because he's talking about preparing mansions for them. He says, where I go, you're going to go also. He says, they're like, well, how do we get there? He says, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So the question then becomes, is your future spouse, let's say in two years you meet this person, you better be asking the question, are they in the way? And that has two meanings. Number one, are they in the way? Like they're a distraction. They're not about it. They're not about it, about it. But secondarily, are they in the way? Are they in Christ? Are they born-again believers? Have they put their faith and trust in the Lord? Now, we've already made that point in the very first sermon, but it's worth bringing up again. Are they a born-again believer? That's important. Maybe they are. Okay. What else does this way have to show us about our future spouse? Because let me submit to you that the way 
shows up more than just once in John 14, verse 6. Let's take a look at this phrase. In Acts chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, and Saul, who's Saul? Paul, the guy who wrote a lot of the New Testament. And Saul, before he got saved, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Okay, what's happening here? What's, what? What's happening? Persecution of who? Them that are in this way. Well, who is them that are in this way? What's he talking about? Christians, the church, right? Okay, so the church are those that are of or in this way are being persecuted. Let's keep looking. Acts chapter 19, verse 8 and 9. It says, and he, Paul, this is post-salvation. Okay, so he stops killing Christians and he becomes one. And Paul went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers were hardened when, and believed not, when people heard the preaching, they heard the gospel, and they were hardened and they believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing in the school of one Tyrannus. So what's happening here? What just happened? You gotta be sharp. You gotta be listening to me. What happened? You fell asleep, didn't you? Let me read it again. And Paul went into the synagogue. Got it? And spake boldly for the space of three months. Got it? Disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Got it? Still with me? You awake? But when diverse were hardened and believed not, got it? But spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing in the school of one Tyrannus. So what happened to that way? Huh? They refused to accept it, and then what they do? They got what? <laughs> I bet you mom has up on her. But spake evil of that way before the multitude. What if somebody rolled up in here? And I'm, I'm, maybe it's one of you. What if I'm preaching and I'm talking about the Bible and I'm, I'm laying it out for you and the principles and we're just walking through the Bible and Naomi stands up and she's like, you guys, let me just tell you this is all garbage. It's all wrong. Let me just tell you that you need to believe something a little more logical, something a little more scientific, something a little more fun. You believe her, you'd follow her? Yeah. Let me just tell you, if you went with her, you'd be a fool. But but that would be kind of like some distress. That's a little bit like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're like disrupting the word of God being preached. You see what I'm saying? Okay, so these people get up, and at some level, there's more persecution of that way. They speak evil of that way before the multitude. 
Okay, and lastly, since you guys are falling asleep, Paul testifies about his actions, his prior actions, when he's giving his testimony here in Acts chapter 22, verse 4. He says, And I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. So here's what we've got. We've got two working descriptions or applications for us of the way that Abraham's servant was in. Okay, so number one, being in Christ. Let me ask you this. I don't care if you've been here since you were born. I don't care if you grew up in Cape Town. None of that matters for this question. Are you in Christ? Are you saved? Are you born again? And I hope you are. Maybe you are. I don't know. But maybe not. Maybe you're not. Maybe you don't have a resolve that, yeah, I know I'm born again. I know that I'm saved. I know that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Not only is that a prerequisite for you being in a biblical relationship, but dude, what are you waiting for? You can have the fruit of the Spirit. You can have life. You can have a relationship with God the Father. You need to to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ this morning. But also with that, is your future spouse saved? You should be praying for your future spouse. Man, Lord, if they're not saved already, save them. But Lord... Don't let me get paired up in a marriage with someone who's not saved. Because I guarantee you, I know of another situation right now. It's, it's in my mind. I was talking about it yesterday. It's a person that means so much to me. I'm in a relationship with someone who's not saved. And they are so conflicted and miserable. They're hiding Dude, you don't want that. You want it all out in the open. That's what you want. Number two, though, this description or application of the way is, is just like the way the church was enduring persecutions, was enduring hardship. You want your future spouse. You want to be engaged in the heat of the battle. So the question I have for you is, are you engaged in Christ's mission? Are you engaged in it? Let me tell you, Seth, at the missions camp, we're at this watering hole, right? And we're preaching the gospel, and it's cold evangelism. How many of you know cold evangelism, like just going up to somebody and asking them about Christ? How many of you know that that's not comfortable? Okay, some of you are lying because you've never done it, so you don't know that it's not comfortable. But Seth hadn't done it. And I said, hey, Seth, you see that guy with the turquoise shirt? Maybe or hat. Said, so see you got the, tur- the turquoise hat. That's your target. Seth was like, okay. And I didn't, I didn't know if Seth was going to do it or not. I was just kind of throwing it out there, like you know, maybe he needs some direction. And that's all he needed because Seth rolled up to this dude and engages him in the conversation about church, about God, about the gospel. And this guy did not just say, oh, man, thank you so much for investing this truth into me. I want to be saved. I want to follow you as you follow Christ. Let's do this. No, 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 no. That was not the response that he got. 
That doesn't feel good. To try a conversation, to open up your heart, to open up your, your, your mouth to converse with someone, and then to reject that and probably politely say, mm, no thanks. Dude, that's uncomfortable. Are you engaged in that? Are you seeking that out? Are you engaged in Christ's mission? Furthermore, when you see this person you think might be your future spouse, are they engaged in Christ's mission? Are they putting their neck out there? Are they hazarding their lives? John 15, 18, 21, 18 to 21 says this. This is Jesus. He says, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody where you're trying to, 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 to share the gospel, trying to start up a gospel conversation, and they say, no, I don't want to talk about that. If you haven't, why are you so scared? Why are you so cowardly? And I'm not trying to step on your toes, but really, like, why are you such a big chicken? I mean, it's scary, but you won't likely experience the rejection that Christ did. But I want to, I want to follow Christ's example to the T if I can. I want to do exactly what he leads me to do. I want to jump into the mission. Key point, concluding point, key point number two is this. Be saved and then lay your life down for the mission. If you're not saved, be saved. If you are saved, dude, get busy, man. Get into the mission. And that'll never be bad advice. That'll never be bad leading. Just jump in. And the key characteristic of your future spouse is this. Your future spouse will be willing to hazard their life for the mission. Dude, that's a hottie. That's a hottie with a body. That person who is willing to lay their body their life down for Christ to hazard their life, that person, that's a babe right there. So ladies, let me tell you, you want a man who's willing to say, you know what, if I die, that's gain. To live is Christ, to die is gain. That's the man you want. Fellas, that's who you want to be. Someone who's willing to lay their life down, not not count your life dear, not count your life as your own. That's kind of childish, right? Your life belongs to Christ. Lay it down. Dude, and then you become a total babe. Just saying. Does that make sense? Okay. What are the two key points for today? Oh, you guys are miserable. What? What's key point number one? Wait on God. Prove it out. And then what's key point number two? 
Lay your life down, okay? Let's pray, and then you guys can get out of here, okay? Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the clarity of it. Your clear leading. Please help us to be faithful, to pray, um, to consider you first. And then the romantic relationships, God, that's your business. We're going to trust you with these principles, with this plan. But, God, we're just going to trust you to, to direct our steps and to be in charge of our lives and, and to provide for us whoever we need if we need a spouse in the future. God, have your way with us. Help us to trust you with that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I love you guys. You're dismissed. <laughs>